people are weird. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Six games in the NBA on Monday. Some big performances, some surprising performances as usual. And then six games for Tuesday as well. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it. Indeed, we will start by going through the games as we always do here. Game number one up on the board is the Detroit Pistons and the Washington Wizards. A terrible loss for the Pistons. They go down 115-99. They, of course, were without Blake Griffin, Reggie Jackson, Derek Rose, and Tim Frazier. So we got, again, that backcourt, the Shark Duck backcourt, uh, and Bruce Brown went off. Baby shark, do, 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 do. 37 minutes for the Shark in this one. 14 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks. We had some pretty decent high hopes for Brown heading into this season. Uh, he's playing Summer League, hit them grooming him as a point guard, and then he shit the bed to begin the year. Like some real terrible performances. The last two games, 36 combined points, 14 assists, and 4 steals. The 3 blocks, a nice little cherry on top as well. He's played a shit ton of minutes, 77 minutes in those two games. And with Rose and uh, Frazier returning, it's hard to see that level of playing time. But you would think that he at least has some sort of of an ability to play above Frazier. Maybe he sticks as a starting point guard and they do a a brown canard starters with Rose coming in off the bench. They, They could do it that way. But with what he's doing, especially those assist numbers, uh, the minutes aren't sustainable. But the assist numbers for Brown make him, like in any 16-teamer, you grab him. In any 14-teamer, you at least have to consider it. And then if if these assist numbers can stay real, which again, I I have significant doubts that they'll be able to stay at that level because that's obviously a ridiculously high level seven a game. And there are three three point guard type players out. But he is worth looking at in a, in a short-term situation, really strong from the Shark. Andre Drummond was great again, 15 and 24 with two steals and two blocks, while the Duck, Luke Kennard, also putting up big numbers, 24, 4, and 5 for Kennard. To me, he's a must-add 12-team league guy. I'd have him ahead of Brown pretty comfortably. Big numbers from him. Third-year breakout. They need that sort of scorer on the wing with Tony Snell, again, not providing anything at all. Kennard looks great out there, 11 free-throw attempts. He is going to take a little bit of a hit when Griffin and Rose return, but putting up big numbers. Christian Wood, 21 minutes, 15 points, two blocks. We know that this guy can produce, but Casey doesn't trust him on a day-to-day basis. Markeith Morris was shithouse in this game, 14 minutes with three fouls. Wood is an interesting stream, but we just can't trust him in anything more than that sort of a role. Snell had 11 points in his 34 minutes. Langston Galloway, 10 points in 22 Onto the wizard side of things, Troy Brown also coming in as an interesting ad. Uh, he was a guy that we talked about quite a bit in the offseason as an interesting late round pick because someone has to play these small forward minutes. His second game back, 31 minutes, 14 and 10, four assists and three steals, and he hit his shots. Now, he's not a good shooter, but five of 10 from the field, four of four from the line. You'll take that. It won't be that efficient, but he's a great rebounder as a small forward. He was running point guard at times as well, and he generates steals. That's the sort of combination of things that does have real value in 12-team formats, and he is an ad in most of those. Flaming Mo Wagner with a nice game as well. Flames on me. 
12 points for Wagner, but more interestingly, the three blocks and two steals. He's not known as a high defensive stats guy, but put up some interesting numbers. More of a 16-teamer, while Rui Hachimura, 12-4-3. Now, he started out really red hot. He still looks like his decision-making is slow. Like, he just he's, he's still learning the game. He's still thinking it out. And some of the times he gets the ball, and yeah, he doesn't do anything apart from score. But like when he has to pass or rotate or move, he just always seems a little bit off in that area. He is ranked the 143rd ranked player so far this season, but he's doing it really on the back of scoring. And uh, he hasn't missed a single free throw this season. That's where his value is coming from. I still think that he is a 12-team league guy, but as you know, my uh, thoughts on Rui long-term aren't all that positive. Beal had 22-5-6, and six, while Isaiah Thomas probably buried the lead here, moved into the starting lineup. It was his worst game, but 9.6 assists, a triple one. Um, low usage as well. He'd been really high usage coming off the bench, but uh, Thomas is a guy that we grab in 12-team formats there. The tank, Tom Bryant. 14 and 7, not his best game. Had some foul trouble as well. That limited him to 27 minutes. It also got Wagner into the game uh, for those 22 minutes that he played. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty okay for Bryant. Nothing to really panic about. Davis Bertan struggled. Isaac Bonga still started over Brown, but you would say that that is going to come to an end pretty quickly. While well, Ish Smith dished five assists in his 20 minutes, but his value, not that it was high anyway, is, uh, is coming to a close with Thomas taking that starting point guard role. Let's move on now to the next game of the day. We've got the New Orleans Pelicans and the Brooklyn Nets. A lot of interesting things happening in this one. The Nets get the uh, the victory, 135-125. Brandon Ingram, just unbelievable in this game. 40 points in 37 minutes for Ingram. Five rebounds, five assists, two steals. And of course, the shooting, 71% from the field. A perfect five of five from the line. Now, he didn't hit his threes that well. And in fact, he didn't even take them. In previous games, he was getting up like seven a game. Only attempted three and hit one, which is more like the Ingram of old. Uh, I think there's an element of sell high here with Ingram. He's currently the 18th ranked fantasy player, averaging 26 and seven with four assists. I've got no concerns with him being able to get four assists or seven rebounds. My worry is, is he's hitting 55% of his shots, but it's coming on 49% shooting from three. And I can guarantee you he is not a 49% shooter because nobody is. Joe Harris might be the closest to that, and even he's not a 49% shooter, especially on five attempts per game. So if that comes down to 40, which is still really, really good, it's a big drop in the three-pointers, in his field goal percentage, and in his overall scoring, which probably a three-category drop. And that's why three-point percentage can have such a fluctuating effect on fantasy value, because it goes one way or the other, and three categories get impacted. If that happens, then he goes down from the 18th-ranked player to the 60th-ranked player, or or the 70th-ranked player. So if you can get a top-20 type of guy back, I think it is worth exploring because while he looks great, he's doing all this, and, and we love what he's doing, yeah, can that shooting stick? I would gamble that it won't, and then when it does, then hits come in other areas. So his true shooting's at 65. He was at 55 last year. Now, 10 percentage point jumps aren't uncommon, but he's doing it across all areas, and it's that, that really, the three-point percentage on that volume is standing out like dog's balls, and there is a real chance of, of that dropping off, I believe. Josh the Hitman Hart started again. Well, he'd been sort of in and out, but when Drew Holiday came back, he went to the bench, but he replaced JJ Redick, who's a clear drop in 12 teamers. Everyone should know that. Uh, Hart, 14 and 7 with four steals. He's pretty close to being a, a 12 team must roster guy. Um, You'd, you'd want him on your roster at this point. There is a lot of fluctuation with this rotation. We saw Etwan Moore get into the game in the second half. Gentry, they were getting smacked, so things were changed all around. But Hart is putting up 
Yeah, pretty strong numbers. He's a top 50 player so far this season on the back of really good rebounding numbers. That's his best category. Over two threes, over seven and a half boards and 1.4 steals. There's some element of regression coming with some of those things for Hart. But for now, he does have some value. Lonzo Ball, weirdly, was dribbling up the court and tripped over his own foot twice just while dribbling up, and then went to the bench and never returned it. He had cramps in his leg, so that's why his leg was giving way. 15 points in 21 minutes for Lonzo with three assists. Nothing to really worry about there. While Holiday, the offense wasn't quite there. He still took 17 shots. Uh, unfortunately, he only hit seven of them, but four steals, two blocks, 15, seven, and three. Yeah, some okay counting numbers. Frank Jackson, he took his shots, which he does, 12 points, 25 minutes, a, a deeper league point stream. Well, Derek Favors did return, and it wasn't good from Favors. Only eight minutes, zero points, and four rebounds. I still believe in Favors. Um, he's he does he just looks like he's struggling at the moment, though. Gentry's making some interesting coaching decisions at times. Um, Jackson Hayes came in and is completely lost on the court, fouled out in 16 minutes. Okafor struggled four four points in 21 minutes. I've still got some faith for Favors in an eight teamer. I'd get rid of him in a ten teamer. It, it's borderline. He probably does deserve to uh, drop in that situation. I am I do tend to be stubborn with guys who have got a history of being good as Favors does. But he doesn't look right at the moment. Obviously, we're dropping Nikhil Alexander-Walker, zero points in four minutes there for him. While Okafor, those two big games uh, disappeared, four points in the 21 minutes for him. On to the Nets. Kyrie was great, 39-9 and with three steals, 62% shooting. And the artist formerly known as Torian Prince, the shot wasn't there. But what I liked about what he did here, he supplemented it with other things. 11 boards. His rebound rate is at a career high. Four steals. That really helps also. He probably, well, he is a 12-team must-add guy, uh, even though there will be some regression. Also, the interesting guy, Garrett Temple. He's forced David Nwaber out of the rotation. 26 minutes here. Now, look at his game log. It's all over the place. But when he has a game like this, it's worth looking at. 13 points, four assists, a steal, a block, three triples. He's a 16-team guy who's available in 99% of leagues uh, with the way things are going. Smoking Joe Harris hit four triples for 19 points. He is just absolutely dead-eye when shooting. It is unbelievable how good he is. While Karis LeVert, murdering your percentages, but the counting stats are good. 23-7-5 with four triples. DeAndre Jordan sprained his ankle. He's in a bit of a brace at the moment. You'd imagine he misses a little bit of time. Four and five with two blocks. I don't think he's a 12-team league guy. While Allen had 18 and 10 in his 30 minutes and should be a 12-team league guy. I talked about Spencer Dinwiddie in the drop podcast earlier that I did today, not the drop that you associate with the starters slash uh, no dunks. I'm talking about the the show I did talking about players to drop. Uh, Dinwiddie sort of proved my point here. Seven points, three assists, 21 minutes. He is hard to hold. He's not a 10-team hold. Uh, He's hard to hold in 12-team formats as well, I believe. Next game up for us to take a look at. The Houston Rockets and the Memphis Grizzlies. Just a really, really weird game, this one. Um, uh, the, the, the Rockets get the win, 107-100. No Russell Westbrook. He was resting on a uh, back-to-back. 44-10-6 for Harden on 43% shooting. A weird 72% from the line on 18 attempts, which actually hurts you significantly. Danny House started for Westbrook. I would imagine that he would remain starting and they'll push Gordon back to the bench. 15-9 for House. Three blocks, two threes, tries on defense, which is something you can't say for many of these Rockets players. Uh, Significantly better than Gordon pretty much all season. And he is having value for 12-team leagues. He's a top 80 player so far this season. I don't bank on that sticking. But what he is doing there, outside of maybe the 1.3 blocks per game, he averaged 0.3 last season. So that's a significant chunk despite playing only four extra minutes. Uh, Everything else is not far off. He's a pretty good shooter. The usage has increased. 
Actually, the usage hasn't increased. What he's doing is getting to the line more and hitting those shots at, at a higher level. Uh, you know, averaging 12.5 points, five boards. That's enough as a back-end 12-team league guy, even though if those blocks regress, he probably pretty quickly falls outside the top 100. So good night from him. Macklemore got an extra minutes with uh, Westbrook out. 30 minutes, 12 points. Took a lot of shots to get there, but D'Antoni did say that he trusts him quite a bit. I wouldn't be uh, necessarily trusting him all that much, and he has very limited fantasy value. While Eric Gordon, uh, his best game for the season, 16 points on 17 shots. That should tell you all you need to know about Eric Gordon, who is not a 12-team league guy. And that PJ Tucker offensive explosion, well, he took one shot in this game. He's scoreless for six points, no steals. He is what he is, a steals streamer who can hit some threes at times, and that's really about it. On to the Grizzlies. There was no Jaron Jackson Jr. The injury isn't serious, but he did sit this one out. Brandon Clark started and then proceeded to play fewer minutes than when he than when he uh, comes off the bench. I'm not criticizing Taylor Jenkins just yet, but that was pretty confusing. Uh, three points, six rebounds, four blocks for Clark. Still putting up nice numbers, and he's worth having as a back-end 12-team league guy. Well, Jar Morant, also minutes really heavily restricted, 23, 5, and 6. Now, I don't want him to go full Fisdale here and play Morant 40 minutes, but he doesn't. when he's clearly the best player on the court, uh, yeah, 28 minutes is, is nonsense. Yeah, 32, 31, he can get to that level. 23, 5, and 6 for Morant. He's going to be a top 50 guy at some point this season with Jackson out with Clark limited. Bruno Caboclo got into the rotation. Two steals and two blocks with 11 points for Bruno. But with everyone healthy, he's not going to get that sort of a look in. And Jonas Valanciunas appears still to be on some sort of a minutes limit. 10 and 10 in 24. Dylan Brooks, I shit on him quite a bit, but solid game. 17 and 9 with two steals. Probably still suited more for 16-team formats. Jay Crowder got ejected after Harden punched him in the ball sack. So uh, he complained about that and got ejected. It was just weird this entire game. Weird refereeing, weird everything. With Morant being limited, we saw more Tyus Jones. 10 and 5, 4 assists, 3 steals. We know that he can be an interesting assists and steals stream type option. And he proved that again pretty... um. Uh, pretty comfortably in this one. So some nice numbers there for Tyus Jones. Let's move on to the next game. This game was delayed due to a uh, malfunction with the rim. It was uh, misaligned. Uh, eventually, the game got started really about 50 minutes delayed. The Bucks win 134-106, a significant blowout. Eric Bledsoe played only 24 minutes, but it doesn't matter because he had 22-9-6. Good players in general don't just become bad overnight. So, you know, we have this discussion with guys all the time and Bledsoe always seems to be that player. Like, just don't drop a guy like that. That's why I have faith in Mike Conley. That's why I have faith in Otto Porter that they will get it turned around. Middleton had 26 points, four assists and two steals. Yanni, 34, 15, and 6. No defensive numbers and just shit free throws again from Antetokounmpo. 6 of 11 from the line. He might improve. But you just have to assume you're going to lose that category and build around it. And if you win it, oh, well, it's a surprise to be sure. A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. I think I mentioned this the other day, but I reckon Dante DiVincenzo is going to be starting at shooting guard for this team soon. 20 minutes here, 17 points, 7 rebounds, 3 triples, a steal, and a block, while Wes Matthews had 8 minutes in 22, eight points in 22 minutes. Matthews, of course, is just a very, very deep league guy. But if you're a 20-teamer, an 18-teamer, a 16-teamer, shit, maybe even a 14-team leaguer, I'd, I'd, 14-teamer, uh, I'd uh, pay some attention to DiVincenzo who's looked really good these last two games. Uh, Brooke Lopez, not quite at his same level last year to be expected. Nine points in 26 minutes with three blocks. That's solid enough. While um, uh, Paddy Connaughton was scoreless in his 16 minutes. For the Wolves, no Carl Anthony Towns. So Andy Wiggins, another big game. 25 points, four triples, two blocks. He's looked so much better this season and should be on a roster somewhere. While Bob Covington had to go to the locker room, but was able to return. 15 and four, three triples and a steal. Limited minutes in the blowout. 
Shabazz Napier also looked good before he had to go to the locker room. Now, he pinged a hammy. We don't know how long he's going to be out. They're calling it day today. If he played next game, I'd be stunned. 10 points, 4 assists, and 4 steals for Napier. Well, Jeff T got into foul trouble. My name is Jeff. Uh, he played just 18 minutes, 10 points, 3 assists, a steal, and a block with 5 fouls during that time. Nothing to panic about there. Trivion Graham and Jake Lehman continue to take those small 4 minutes and do nothing with them. And Jarrett Culver, big minutes again, or big-ish minutes, but 24 of them here, 8 and 4 with an assist and a steal. He is a long way away from being a regular fantasy contributor. Akogi was also pretty poor, 1 of 6 shooting for 3 points. Gorgi Jeng, not quite as good in this one as last time. And with Towns back next game, he's just not going to be any sort of a factor. And it was strong enough from Jordan Bell, but again, Towns returns, uh, and we just won't see very much of him at all next game. The next game up, the Philadelphia 76ers, they were undefeated. They traveled to Phoenix, and they are now defeated. 114 Phoenix, 109 Philadelphia. Embiid was suspended, so Al Horford went bananas. 32, 5 and 4, 5 triples, 2 steals, a block, 65% shooting. A drop-off is going to come. We know that for, for Horford when Embiid comes back. It's going to happen for most of these guys. Toby Harris had 24 and 10. Furkan Korkmaz dropped in 20 points in 34 minutes as a surprise starter. And that's two big games in a row for Furkan. But when Embiid is back, he's likely just going to go back to the... Well, he's definitely going to go back to the bench and into a smaller role. Ben Simmons with one of the weirdest stat lines you'll see. Six points, five rebounds, six assists, and seven steals for the Peacemaker. He was trying to calm the Suns down with his arms. Couldn't get the shots to fall. Two of eight from the field. Hit both of his free throws, though, which is a a definite uh, bonus. Not a great Simmons night. While uh, Joshie Richardson also struggled. Eight points on 11 shots. The five assists are still nice. I'm getting questions about people wanting to drop Richardson. No, you don't do that. As for the painter, Matisse Thibel, shit ass. Just terrible. Four fouls in five minutes. Marquise Chris was somewhere just really nodding his head in approval. Only the two points, no defensive numbers. Now, everything remains the same for Thibault. If you want defensive stats, he will provide it. But if you're banking on all of a sudden him becoming a 12-point-per-game guy with five rebounds, it's just not going to come. He's going to get steals. He's going to get blocks. Korkmaz and him and Ennis are going to be those three rotation guys coming off the bench. I don't think Korkmaz is taking him out of the rotation entirely. He's still averaging 2.3 steals and 1.2 blocks, and it's enough to have some value, but everything else is a real struggle for Thibault, so it is really a a balancing act. Um, He probably should be on someone's 12-team roster, but it doesn't have to be yours. It just depends how your team looks. For the Suns, massive from Devin Booker, 40 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, a block, 79% shooting, 7 of 7 from the line. He has looked fantastic, none more so than in this game. Well, how's Aaron Baines going? 32 minutes for Bainesy, 15, 7, and 6, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 3 threes. He is amazingly putting up, and I had the number in front of me, and my screen has just disappeared, but I think he's putting up top 50 fantasy value over the course of the season. Now, there are a few things there that are unsustainable, but honestly, if the Suns keep playing this way, there are going to be serious discussions about, does our team work better with Baines getting the minutes over DeAndre Ayton? That might seem stupid, but... They have so far. They've looked much better with Baines. He's the 42nd ranked player. He's averaging 15 and 6 in 24 minutes. The most impressive thing to me is the 3.6 assists. He had big assist numbers again here. There are some obvious regression markers sticking out. He's hitting 48% of his threes. He was at 34 last year. Likely to come down. He's at 69% of his twos. Giggity. That's likely to come down. 52 last year. The highest he's ever had was 57% in his last season in San Antonio. So... 
there is some significant regression numbers likely coming from Baines. That'll drop his overall field goal percentage, his overall points down. Those assists, I think they could stay. I think he's working that into his game. I've got no problem with that. It's more the three-point shooting and the overall efficiency, which could really drop off. But I don't think you can leave him on the waiver wire at this point. He's just putting up yeah, two. Like he's just, he's just too good, really. Ravishing Rick Rubio, twenty-one, seven, and ten. Just this is Minnesota Rubio, and that's what we talked about all off-season. That he's more likely to go back to that guy versus what we saw in Utah. Just going to show that if you aren't an upper-level star player, coaching scheme is so important as to how you can perform. And we are seeing that with Rubio. 25 minutes for McCall Bridges with two steals. The steals are there. That's what he's providing, like a like a Matisse Thibel, because Frank Kaminsky has been an absolute turd. This is Charlotte Hornets Kaminsky at his best. Three points in 20 minutes. I hope that when everyone's back, we see Bridges taking those Kaminsky minutes. I don't, I'm not confident of it, but I hope we do. Uh, Frank is a clear 12-team drop. Ubre struggling a bit after a hot start, 14 and 6 with a block. Those defensive numbers, which are propping up his value, have cooled off in the last couple of games, while Sharich had 5 and 6 in 25 minutes. He, again, his upside to me isn't high enough to label him as an absolute must-roster 12-team league guy. When I did the waiver wire show a couple of days ago, he's a 14-team must-add guy, and he's fine on 12s, but he's just not going to be consistently good enough for us to be getting uh, too overly excited about. All right, on to the last game of the day, a uh, pretty big upset. The Golden State Warriors at home beat the Portland Trail Blazers 127-118. On the Blazers' side, it was a big night from Lillard again. He's been really, really good this year, 39-2-4, 37 minutes. But the problem is, the rest of this team isn't good. Neil Olshay made some questionable decisions in the offseason. CJ McCollum's contract... I reckon it could be a real stinker in a couple of years' time, or maybe not even uh, taking that long. They are they are in real trouble of missing the playoffs this season. The Blazers, Hassan Whiteside returned twenty two and eleven with two blocks in twenty eight minutes. You love to see that production from him. That helps as a guy you took in those middle to late rounds. While Mario Hazonia eleven and five in twenty six minutes. I'd probably want to see him get thirty minutes to be a twelve team pickup in Zach Collins's absence. But he clearly is the better option over Anthony Tolliver from a fantasy perspective. Tolliver played only seventeen minutes. If we could get thirty thirty one out of out of Hazonia, that would really be a go a long way to him being an ad. He's more of a fourteen team league guy. Anthony Simons had fourteen points with two steals. His upside is pretty limited because of the way that they play McCullum and Lillard together. Well, CJ, not a good night. 14 on 16 shots. Yeah, hopefully, you didn't take him in the top 50. Uh, if you listened to any of my podcasts talking about him, you, you would have uh, not gone that direction. 14 points with six assists for CJ. Well, Rocket Rodney Hood, a real turd from him. Four points in 36 minutes with six rebounds. For the Rocket, uh, Bazemore, he just remains inconsistent. On to the Warriors. There's a lot of interesting stuff here. Of course, Eric Pascal, of course, 40 minutes, 36 and 13 with four triples. Now, 10 of 10 from the line, 58% on 19 attempts. There's a lot of things there that are unsustainable. The 40 minutes, the 10 free throw attempts, the 26% usage. But he looks really good out there. Now, as long as Draymond Green is out, Pascal or Pascal, I don't even know how you're supposed to say it. I think it's Pascal. I like Pascal. Uh, Pascal has got that 12-team league value. When Draymond returns, it is interesting. Obviously, Draymond's not there and Looney isn't there in the front court. So... Where is Pascal fitting in that mix? Well, Willie Cauley-Stein doesn't look that good. Amari Spellman and Marquise Chris struggle. So I would like to see them go with the three main guys being Pascal, uh, being Looney, and being Green in that front court and giving close to 30 minutes a night for Pascal, which would make him a 12-team league guy. Now, will they do that? 
and really limit Corley Stein down and eliminate Spellman and Chris. Well, Spellman and Chris, I feel pretty confident they're going to be gone. It's all just depending on how they're going to use Corley Stein. Now, Willie had only 16 minutes. He had 10 points uh, with two steals. He wasn't terrible, but you know, Pascal was obviously better. But it's got to be about finding those minutes for him. For now, he's an ad. Kai Bowman, 19-4-8 on 64% shooting. There's a couple of things there that are unsustainable. 64% shooting, 37 minutes. This is a two-way guy. The Warriors can't just easily convert him because they don't have the salary cap space to do it. They have to waive someone, and that someone is Marquise Chris, and I think that will happen. So Bowman, this is interesting play from him, but when D'Angelo Russell comes back, is he a 37-minute-a-night guy? Like, God, no. He's not going to get that much. Russell is likely returning on Wednesday. It's going to come down to whether they want to play Bowman over Jordan Poole or over Alec Burks or maybe even over uh, the little dog, Glenn Robinson. So there is some hope there for, for Kai. Any 16-team leagues, I'd add him 14 probably as well. 12, it's a little bit iffy, a little bit dicey as to how that role plays out. This was perfectly set up. I talked about him the other day. Maybe he plays like you know, 40 minutes a night while D'Angelo's out because there is no other point guard. The other guy that has to come back is Jacob Evans. Where's he going to fit in this mix? So while this is great from Bowman, there is a little bit of uh, the smell of unsustainability about it just because these other guys do have to come back and fit into the rotation. Poole himself was okay. The shooting wasn't. 16 points, uh, 3 of 16 shooting. That's 19%. But 5 assists, 2 triples, 8 of 8 from the line. He's going to have a pretty solid role as their first round pick as a a nice 3-point streamer. And if you can add these other things into his game, like the passing, it is something to pay attention to. While Damian Lee, the exact same scenario as Bowman, he's a two-way guy. 16, 4, and 3, 2 steals. They can't convert both of them. So finding that space to open them up would require a trade. Lee has been really, really good this season. Um, Pretty much whenever he gets on the court, he seems to put up decent numbers. It is, again, just a really deeper league situation that could um, disappear pretty quickly. Alec Burks, 13, 4, and 2 in 28 minutes. Burks isn't the answer to anybody's future. I would like to see them try Bowman and try Poole and give these minutes to Lee over Burks as much as possible. But still, he got 28 minutes here. Paul got 31. Bowman got 37. And we're still going to mix D'Angelo Russell back into that group. Look at the guys that are out. Draymond's out. Steph's out. Clay, obviously. Jacob Evans. Kevon Looney. But there's four guys there who are probably rotation guys. Maybe Evans isn't a rotation guy. That And people have to miss out from this group here when they come back. But some interesting performances with Pascal. Uh, or Pascal and Bowman definitely opening eyes. Jordan Poole putting in a nice performance. But again, how it all pans out as we move forward um, is, is something that is still up for debate with this uh, with this Warriors squad. Squad is the right word. All right, let's have a look at some injury news. Kevin Porter will be suspended for uh, tomorrow's game. He touched an official inappropriately. Giggity. Um, uh, who, uh, Trey Young has been upgraded to questionable. Looking, who's Young? Trey Young has been upgraded to questionable for the Hawks. That eliminates Bembry's value a lot. Miles Turner upgraded to doubtful for tomorrow, so no longer a week-to-week process. He looks like he'll be back at some point this week. Rajon Rondo, maybe on the weekend he returns. Not a high-priority guy, of course. Well, Pat McCaw from the Raptors is out indefinitely with knee soreness. Came back, played 20 minutes a night, and now he's out again. Matt Thomas and um, Norm Powell. And Terrence Davis, probably the beneficiaries, most likely Davis Powell's already in the rotation, but that is just a a deeper league situation. And uh, Dougie McDirt had a foot issue. He's questionable for Tuesday's games. DeAndre Jordan hurt his ankle today. Not a 12-team league guy, as I've talked about already. Kevon Looney has been ruled out for Wednesday's game already. Uh, I would think that he misses probably the rest of this week, but when he returns again, that crunch in the front court is going to be real. Lonzo Ball suffered cramps. Nothing's too significant there, while Shabazz Napier is listed as questionable, listed as day-to-day with a hamstring issue that he suffered at the end of the game against the Bucks. 
That'll do it for all of the action from Monday. Let us flick over and look at some DFS play now. Going to be focusing on FanDuel action uh, today on DFS for the six games on Tuesday. So, uh, hey, here we go. All right, the first game for us to take a look at is the Boston Celtics taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Celtics on the road are favored by five and a half, and the total is 213.5, which on a day where majority of these lines are actually pushed down pretty low in terms of total. So normally that would be considered a, a low total, but in the, the slate of games that we've got lines out for at the moment, it's, it's actually you know, up there with one of the highest ones of the day. Ennis Cantor is doubtful for Boston. While the uh, Rock DJ Robbie Williams is probable, while Matty Dellavedova has missed the last two for Cleveland, he is listed as probable as well after missing with uh, some personal issues. At point guard, we're, again, we're, we're looking at FanDuel pricing for this one. At point guard, Kemba Walker's at 9,103 consecutive 30-point real-life games, 48 average on FanDuel over the last three. The Cavs' backcourt of Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, they don't really seem like they're going to be able to slow Kemba down. So I do like him quite a bit here. As for Sexland themselves, 4,000 for Darius and 5,200 for the Padawan Colin Sexton. It's hard to get too excited about either of those guys. Um, Sexton may be a little bit more reliable in cash. He's got a safer floor, like a 22, 23-point floor sort of a situation. Garland's all over the place. Hard to get excited about them. Wanamaker and Dalavid over, of course, we don't get excited about them. The other player that's out is Jalen Brown for the Celtics. So Marcus Smart at 5,600. He's averaging 30 and a half the last three times out against Cleveland. He generally pushes his numbers up when Jalen is out. 5,600 is an okay price. It's a good matchup for Smart. I like going in with him here in this situation. Jordy Clarkson, also a pretty strong cash guy. 4,900 for Clarko. He's giving us 27 a night over the last three. With Garland's minutes reduced, Clarkson's have pushed up, and he's now back into that familiar 25, 26 minute a night type of role. At small forward, Larry Nance, noted small forward. He's at 5,000. He's not doing anything that's a fade from me. Gordy Haywood is at 6,900. Giggity. Of course he is. He's been giving us around 34 a night on you know, on a slate where FanDuel pricing is you know, tight once again. I don't mind that from Haywood. I think he, especially with Jalen out, he should be able to get to that level. While Chetty Osman at 4,400, there are better small forwards out there than him. At power forward, Vanilla Tice, Daniel Tice. Um, 4,200, Cantor not likely to play. He played 27 and 28 minutes in the last two games, Tice. And at 4,200, where he had 26 in 27 minutes last game, I'm, uh, I'm fine with using him at 42. I really like that value there. Grant Williams is at 3,500. Yeah, he's playing minutes. He's playing well. He's not putting up stats. While Jason Tatum, all the way up to 8,300. Now, Tatum's putting up some pretty nice uh, real-life scoring performances. It's not massively translating to DFS, averaging 39 over the last five, which... At 8,300, isn't really uh, isn't really where it needs to be uh, for that sort of a salary. So I think there are better ways of spending that sort of money than uh, than, than spending up on uh, on big Jace Tatum. All right, the uh, the next position. Oh, is there any other power forwards we look at? Oh, of course, Kevin Love. He's at 9,400 for a very good reason. He's giving us 45 a night, consistently pulling down huge rebound amounts, hitting threes. I think that he is fine to utilize here. It's not the most positive of matchups for Love going up against Boston, but he's still pretty strong, and he's been really, really good. Rob Williams is at 39. He is just a GPP guy, while Tristan Thompson, Tomo, 8,400. He's been a 40-point-per-night guy. I hate that price for Thompson. That's a $600 price rise. That would be the only reason that I would steer clear if he was a 7,500 guy. I'd like it. 84. It feels a little steep because he's been playing out of his mind, giving us 40-plus. 
But that means he has to play out of his mind again and give us that number plus more than what he's doing. And it, it just does feel like it's probably just a just a little bit on the high side for uh, for Tomo. The next game we take a look at is the Indiana Pacers and the Charlotte Hornets. Miles Turner, who was initially considered week-to-week, he's been upgraded to doubtful. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to play. In fact, it means it's doubtful that he's going to play. But it's interesting to see him be uh, advanced that far uh, so quickly. DeMontis Sabonis is questionable. Both Turner and Sabonis missed the last game, and that enabled the dart. Gogo Badadze. Problem with my Gogomobile. Gogomobile. No, not the dart. Not the dart. That enabled Batadze to, to play some decent minutes. He started alongside Jakar, Samson, TJ Leaf got some extra minutes. The other one that's injured in this one is Dougie McDirt. He is questionable with foot soreness. So say he is out, that does help uh, Batadze a little bit because it means they're down a power forward. So maybe they have to play more Sabonis-Batadze uh, combinations rather than uh, Sabonis playing exclusively at center and Leaf and McDermott getting those power forward minutes. So that could help Goga as well if Doug is out. And of course, if Sabonis is out, that helps him in a pretty significant way. For the point guards, Rogier at 7,400. He's getting back on track. He's a 35-a-night guy. I like him here. No problem with utilizing him. While Malcolm Brogo Brogdon at $9,000. Much like talking about Tristan Thompson earlier, he, um, he's he been putting up some you know, good numbers, but at 9,000, we need him to get almost back to that level every night. Last game, he only had 34 points, and it was still a good performance. I just think 9,000 might be too high. The Hornets are a positive matchup for point guards, so it's not a complete write-off. It's also not a no-brainer that it has been at other times. TJ McConnell, Aaron Holiday, they're not working for me. At shooting guard, the Baconator, Dwayne Bacon, he dropped 41 last game. That's good because he's only averaging 20 over the last five, just going to show that the previous four games had yielded 60 combined points. So he's really up and down. He's a GPP guy, but that's it. While Devontae Graham, that hot start has really cooled off. It was always going to, when you look when you look at someone who's having a hot or cold moment, just go look at the percentages and go, okay, that's not going to stick. And it hasn't. 5,800 is too expensive for Devontae. Now, the minutes are still there. That's all fine. It's just that level of scoring isn't going to stick. Malik Monk's at 38. Eh, not, nothing there. Well, Jeremy Lamb at 73. Now, Lamb's been great. 38 average over the last three. But the price at 7,300 is... It's marginally prohibitive. I don't distrust it. I don't hate it. And if Sabonis is out, I would be in on Lamb here. That just means more usage goes through him. Miles Bridges struggling a little bit at the moment. He's at 5,400. I am happy to get back on board him. That's not a uh, it's not a high price for Bridges. I, I would be okay using him there. TJ Warren at 65. He dropped a nice 39-pointer. It does require a little bit of faith in TJ. I'm not sure I have that amount of faith, so he's probably going to be a fade for me. At Power Forward, Sabonis is at 8,900. So if Sabonis plays, obviously that's a great option at 89. He could be a 50-point guy, and we love him. We just don't know at this stage. Well, uh, Paul Washington Jr., at 6,700, hasn't really been at that level much lately. He's more of a high 20s guy versus a 35-point player for Fangio scoring. Uh, he's more of a more of a tournament guy because if the shot goes in in bunches, which it can, then he uh, then he exceeds that value. Cody Zeller, much like Tristan Thompson, much like Malcolm Brogdon, his salary is up to $7,000. That is a lot. He's averaging just 33 over the last five. Maybe you throw him into a tournament, but I wouldn't be feeling super confident with Zeller being able to bring that back as a, as a regular occurrence. While Batadze is up to 5,300, big goga, the dart. He had 29 points in 19 minutes last time out, so obviously he can block shots in bunches, which really helps that value. More tournament than anything and especially if Sabonis is out. If Sabonis plays, that does make it less likely that you'd want to get the dart out there into your lineups. We're not quite at that stage with him. 
Next up, the San Antonio Spurs taking on the Atlanta Hawks. This one also doesn't have a spread because we're waiting to see whether Trey Young will play. He's been upgraded to questionable after missing the last two games. Alex Len is listed as probable with rib issues. So at point guard, Young is at 9,200. Uh, I would feel okay about using him if he plays. It is a decent enough matchup. Point guards have done well against the Spurs recently, so I do like him there. DeJounte Murray likely on a minutes limit. Again, he had 42 points in 24 minutes. His per-minute production is through the roof. His salary is only 7000 You do have concerns about it. You look at him, how can all of this shooting, he's like a 10 percentage points better shooting than what he was the last time he played. That is a significant jump. The rebound rate's through the roof. The assist rate is through the roof. The steal rate is through the roof. There's definite reasons for concern, but that price is so appealing for Murray that I think we have to look at it. Uh, maximum Derek White. Maximum Derek. Um, $5,000 for Whitey. Last game, only 24 points. He's averaging 24 over the last five. We're starting to see him You really find his groove. Now, the minutes restriction is limited, and, and the restriction is that he can only play, apparently, when DeJounte is off the court. Uh, so that, that limits his overall value and upside. I think Pat Mills, uh, you know, Pretty strong game a couple of games ago, but nothing to get excited about. At shooting guard, Fanta Pants, Kevin Herter, 4,100. Probably starts. Uh, we'll see what they do with Reddish. They might bring Herter off the bench. He, he is more of a GPP guy. Well, DeRozan at 7,600. He's more of a $6,000 guy versus a $7,600 player. Not completely against the realms of possibility he gets to this number, but probably one I'm, I'm not relying upon. The other one. Uh, the other one we need to look at here as a shooting guard is DeAndre Bembry, who's at 4,700. Now, if Trey Young's out, Bembry becomes almost the best player of the day. He had 42 points last, uh, 44 points last game, can get defensive numbers, can rebound, can get assists. But if Young is there, the value pushes down a little bit for him. Bryn Forbes and Marco Bellinelli, they're not going to do it for me. At small forward, DeAndre Hunter's a no. Rudy Gay at 49, putting up some really good numbers. I think more for cash. He's got a solid floor versus a limited upside. While Cam Reddish at 42. Reddish, despite not being able to shoot like literally at all, did put up 27 points in 29 minutes with assists and with steals with Young out. But if Young plays, I think that really limits the uh, the upside for Cam Reddish. Power forge Jabari Parker's at 48. Love it if Trey uh, is out because it does boost his usage. He had 35 in 25 minutes. His upside is pretty limited, but there is something there with him. Trey Lyles, no thank you. The Baptist, Johnny Collins, 8,300. He's been a little bit under expectations. His usage is down. Hopefully that can start to ramp back up. He's bringing the defensive numbers. I think he's still okay on a limited slate with 8,300. While LaMarcus Aldridge, 7,700. Really, really yeah, big stinkers the last couple from him. Just 21 points in 30 minutes last time out. He's at 7,700. I reckon you find better options than him. At center, Pirtle, Len, Fernando, Jones. None of those guys should give you any level of uh, penal turgidity. Let's move on to the next one. It is the Lakers. It is the Bulls. Um, the Lakers are favored by six and one half points here. Um, seems low, to be honest, given how shit the Bulls are. Kyle Kuzma is probable. Uh, Avery Bradley is questionable. Wendell Carter and Otto Porter, uh, the two juniors, they are both probable as well. You'd imagine Kuzma is still on some sort of a minutes limit. If Bradley is out, it's Caruso, it's Cook, it's Daniels, it's KCP. It's all those guys who have a chance of getting more minutes. Rondo remains out at point guard. Kobe White is down to 3-7. 3,700 because he's averaging a robust 10 points over the last three. It would have to be a wild GPP type situation. Same with Dunn at 4,100. They are being minimized. Well, Tomas Sataransky at 46. Strong from him last time. 
29 points. It came with nine assists. The upside is limited because of the coach, and that worries me a little bit with him. At shooting guard, Levine's at 7,400. Been piss poor lately. 74 is a good price. So I actually like him turning that into some GPP value. Whereas a guy like Danny Green, Avery Bradley, KCP, I'm not super keen on any of those players. At small forward, LeBron James. LeBron James. 11-7. Let's just lock him in for 60 against this Bulls team. You feel okay about him doing it. He's been averaging 60 the last three times against the Bulls. 60 the last three games he's actually played. 60 looks okay. Well, Otto Porter's at 52. You'd only want to be using Porter in a tournament situation and not relying upon that level of production. Tone Davis is at 11-9. Another guy who has has historically shit on the Bulls. Larry Markman's going to have no chance against him. 11-9 looks good for Tony Davis. I am all about him. While Markinen at 73, you can't trust him at all because of the minutes. While Thad Young at 5,000, like Rudy Gay in the earlier game, I like the floor of Thad Young there. He's getting us 24 to 26, which is not bad. It's not blowing the doors off anything, but it is uh, an okay type of floor situation. The future MVP, Kyle Kuzma at 4,000, that's a GPP situation. Uh, And even then, it's not even that exciting. At center, Dwight Howard, 6,200. The minutes still remain limited, and especially with Kuzma back, I think it's going to put a bit of a cap on Howard's minutes, but 38 points in 21 minutes last time out is obviously really, really good for uh, for Howard. I'm not sure at that 6,200 elevated salary that I'm super keen there. Wendell Carter, he's putting up consistently good numbers, but consistently being kept to under 30 minutes, so at 7,000, there are probably better center options than JaVale. Well, there are definitely better center options than JaVale McGee out at the moment. Next up, it's the Magic. They are taking on the Thunder in OKC. The Thunder are favored by three and a half, and the total is 204.5. Nerlens Noel is listed as probable. Terrence Ferguson not on the injury report, while Stephen Adams is questionable after missing the last two with a knee issue. Michael Carter-Williams is questionable for the Magic. We imagine that Markel Fultz will get another start. He's the point guard, 4,700. He only had 21 in 25 minutes last time out. So even though he's starting, it doesn't mean we're getting 34 minutes or anything like that. He still is just a GPP guy, while it does really limit the value of DJ Augustin. Chris Paul, starting to play a lot better. 36 points last game, 7,500. The Magic do have a habit of being able to restrict total scoring. Their defense does that. So I don't think that there's much to love about Paul. He's not terrible in this spot, but he's also not the, the best option here. At shooting guard, Terry Ross at 39. Started to get back into it last game. 28 points, more of a tournament player. Fournier at 5,000. Is a limited upside guy with, with an okay floor, although his last couple haven't been great. Well, Gilgis Alexander is all the way up at 8,300. I like it. I also like Dennis Schroeder at 6,100. Both of those guys are getting pretty significant volume. And the other play we need to look at is MC Hamadou Diallo. But the problem is that Fangio has bumped him up to a $4,700 player, which takes so much of the upside away from Diallo. Now, if we hear that he's starting over Ferguson, then at $4,700, he, he does get more appeal. The Italian cock, the rooster, uh, Danilo Gallinari. Hands off my cock. Hands off my cock, indeed. 6,200. I like. I think the matchup for him is okay here, although John Isaac you know, has been putting the clamps on people pretty much all season. Gallo's got a pretty safe floor. He hasn't really exploded for a big upside game yet, though, whereas Isaac at 6,600... If the offense comes, he smashes that value. Like he brings this sort of sixty or $6,000 value just on defense alone almost, and then it can go higher. He's averaging 32 over the last five um, and, and can be a 50-point guy. I like him. I don't love him in this spot. At power, oh, actually, Darius Basley is the other interesting one. Minimum salary player who had 2,500. If Adams is out, then there is... Uh, sorry, I had 25 points, not 2,500. Uh, minimum salary guy. If Adams is out, there is a bit of a boost for Basley because it pushes Muscala up to center more than power forward. 
8,600 for Nikola Vucevic at, at uh, center. Um, pretty okay matchup for Vuce. Not sure that the upside is great. He's been a little bit underperforming. I don't want anything to do with Steven Adams. And of course, if Nerland's Noel, sorry, if Adams is out, Noel at 5,600, we'd love that. That is a cash, uh, not a lock, but it's pretty close to it. They have bumped his salary, but it's still not high enough. He's averaged 32 over the last three games. And uh, Adams has only missed two of those. So if Adams is out, we're really big on uh, on Nerland's Noel in that situation. The last game of the day is the Miami Heat in Denver against the Nuggets. The Nuggets are favored by five, and the total is 210 points here. Uh, Justice Winslow and Derek Jones Jr. are both questionable for Miami, while Farton Will Barton is questionable for Denver. If Barton misses, Craig will start, and Porter will back him up. Winslow and Jones, look, this Heat rotation is so weird. I don't know what they're going to do. If all these guys play, like what is going to happen with Myers Leonard, with James Johnson, with Nunn, with Hero, with all these guys who have been participating well, it's going to be there's going to be someone who misses out pretty significantly. At point guard, the Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray's at 6,500. Hasn't really been at that level, but I don't mind him here. The Iron Shoulder, Goran Dragic at 56. It's all dependent on if Winslow's out. If Winslow's out, then he's okay at that spot. If Winslow plays, it's tough to use him. While Kendrick Nunn at 56 hasn't been at that level. If Winslow plays, I wouldn't want anything to do with Nunn at 5,600. Monty Morris, no. Gaz Harris, 52. Nice, Gary! I like it for cash. Limited tournament upside, but I do like him there as a cash play. Well, Jim Butler at 9,500. Because he's my butler. Not just because he's my butler, but also because he's pretty good. He's giving us 48 a night in his limited uh, sample size so far. No reason to go away from him. Beasley, no. Tyler Hero at uh, 5,800 is an expensive price for Hero, no doubt. If we have Winslow out, then Hero is close to a 30-point guy. If Justice plays, it is a little bit hard to get interested in him. He's maybe a tournament guy, but even then, I'm not super interested. Barton's at 56. If he plays, I like it. Uh, Winslow at 6,400. Struggled in the one game he played with Butler. Had just 16 points and then had a back problem. He's a fade, in my opinion, as well, as is Derek Jones. For the big men, Millsap is at 5,400. He just isn't uh, high upside enough or safe enough as a floor player. Jeremy Grant's been atrocious, averaging just 14 points over the last five, and 4,100's too expensive, or Bam Bam at a bio. Bam, 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 bam. 8,400 is a lot. Now, Bam has been great this season, no doubt. 8,400 is too expensive in my mind, and there are better ways out there to spend that. At center, Myers Leonard, 5,400. Love what he's been doing. If Jones is out, I'm all about Leonard. But if Jones is out, that means if Jones is in, that's Jones, it's Leonard, it's Alinek, it's James Johnson who played well last game. It's so hard to get a full grasp on it, and he jumped by $1,200. He's blocking shots, which he's never done in his career. He shot like 80% from the field last game, Myers. All of that seems highly um, irreplicable. Um, but at 5,400, at least if we have Derek Jones out, we have to at least consider Myers Leonard. Kelly Linick is not being considered. Well, Nikola Jokic is at 9,200. Now, Mike Malone came out, called him out, um, uh, yeah, called him out and said things along the lines of, uh, what, did, what did he say? I'm trying to remember exactly. It's completely just, oh, he said that, look, when we win, Jokic has to be more aggressive when he has 15 field goal attempts. He needs to have 15 field goal attempts because we win or something along those lines. So there's two ways this is going to go. Jokic is either going to come out and he's going to have 25 field goal attempts and drop a 50-point triple-double, or he's going to get pissed off. He's going to take one shot. He's going to have two points, 12 rebounds, and 15 assists and just refuse to shoot it. This is the sort of petulant asshole that Jokic can be at times. 
and he has that relationship with Malone. So there's two ways that can go, but the salary is all the way down at 9,200. I am sensing a big Jokic game, but the Heat defense, Bam's defense, there are levels of concern, but the fact that he's down at 9,200 and he's been called out gives me, uh, I guess, some level of hope for it. On DraftKings, if you want to look at value guys, uh, I like Goga. I like Miles Bridges over there as well. Fultz at 4,000. Brogdon at 82, a much better DraftKings option. Sabonis at 83 would be smashable. Rozier at 69. Uh, Dwight Howard at 51. That's a great price for Howard there. Uh, Tristan Thompson at 71. Markinen at 63. More of a tournament play because people will be off him after the struggles. LeBron at 96. Johnny Isaac at 56. Some strong DraftKings options. Aldridge, Walker, and Tone Davis. Some other pretty good options over on the old DK. That'll do it for us today, guys. Subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and on YouTube. Give me a thumbs up. Leave a comment. Make sure you are checking the feed for the other videos. I did a video earlier today and an audio. It's on the podcast feed. Who to drop guys that I think can safely be dropped in 12-team leagues. Some little small videos and podcasts that come out yeah, 12 or so hours before this show. So check those out. Don't forget, donate to Movember. The link in the podcast notes are in the show description over on YouTube. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Bridges.